Welcome to Let's Talk Shop, a podcast filled with business stories and practical advice for the product-based entrepreneur. My name is Therese and I help small business owners grow their wholesale. I hope that the stories and advice shared on this podcast will inspire action and help you build your business. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 3. Thank you so much for tuning in. I would love to see where you're listening. So remember to tag me over on Instagram at small underscore business underscore collaborative. In this episode, I'm chatting to Kelly from Bookish and Bakewell, who makes great gifts for the book lover in your life. I really loved my chat with Kelly. I really loved chatting with Kelly. There was lots of laughs, which also means that this is another long episode. So I won't be doing a lengthy introduction, so without further ado, let's get on with it. Hello Kelly, welcome to Let's Talk Shop. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you very much. Hello, thanks for having me. I really love books. You might not know, but I actually spent years in the publishing industry and that's part of my background. Oh, Although I'm not getting that much time to read anymore when I'm not commuting. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's just one of those things that I think sometimes you can slip out of the habit of it. And then all of a sudden, it's sort of three months late and you're like, I I haven't finished my book. How has this happened? (laughs) I'm so guilty of that. And at the moment, I've just pick up business book after business book, start reading it, and then not finishing it. And I have no time for like my, you know, fiction books. (laughs) So, yeah. I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about you and your business and how it started. Originally, my background is sort of hospitality and business. I owned a a family pub restaurant um, around the age of 20, I think. Um, And then I gave up the sort of restaurant life to have a family and raise a family because those two things really just, they're not compatible. Trying to work sort of 17 hour days with a baby, six days a week. So it was just a sort of a, a... like a sling cut and I sort of left that behind and really I've always been quite creative even as a child I've always drawn or sewn or was knitting or was building something and I was always that annoying child making stuff or generally just making a mess um and then I was that child <laughs> <laughs> that's good I think they're the best children although now that I have children I'm like okay but can we tidy the mess <laughs> <laughs> And as long as there's no glitter, that's fine. (laughs) And then I started sort of designing, but I really, I use that term very loosely um, as a hobby. And probably, it was kind of like a hobby slash side hustle. And I think I was looking back at this and it was in 2012-ish, which I didn't think it was that long ago. But that's quite a while ago now. Um, and then it, it was basically just sort of digital downloads, party invites, personalised art and all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's just really accessible and easy to do on your computer. And it was just to sort of fulfil that I want to do something, I want to make something, I want to think. And then a couple of years ago, I decided to sort of make it a proper job in inverted commas or air quotes and it was that thing of and I just thought but I don't want to do this but I want to do something so I refocused had a thought what what do I you know what are my passions what do I want to do and that's kind of how Bookish and Bakewell was born because I sort of really wanted to celebrate celebrate that sort of bookish nerdiness and a love of like silly things and you know kind of everything from 
really quite in-depth literature to also ridiculous comedy moments. And I've I've always found that there was a lot of things that I wanted to find in the world and I wanted to find myself, but those things didn't exist. So I thought, well, I'll just make them. And then they're there. Yeah, coming from a publishing background, I think there's not that many great sort of gifts for book lovers. Mm. They're not, you know, just like the regular bookmark or... Yeah. Well, essentially bookmarks or some sort of, I don't know, reading voucher. Like, you know, a Waterstone voucher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's really quite limited. And I think there's, there's something sort of in that thing. And, and I think, especially with what... I, create sort of like little sort of pins and stickers and all of these things that are kind of almost statements of personality I think there's so many people that want to go hi I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan or yes I read past my bedtime and they want to have a little badge that says that on them but what I've actually noticed looking back through what I've made is that I've accidentally created quite a few empowering statements and all of my best sellers are things that get bought as gifts for people like a kind of an inspiring or an empowering message for them or just sort of affirmations and empowering for a sense of self which is which is a knock-on effect that I wasn't expecting but is lovely and I'm really pleased that things that I've made and have fallen out of my brain randomly when I've been you know having a cup of tea or something so when people say yeah I'm a self-rescuing princess I'm stronger than you believe and they wear my products to sort of convey that message that's just magical so that's that that has become my why in in this in a sense I think that's a great why and it really means that you have you know who your customer is you know who you know you're doing it all for I think that customers can recognize that and see that yeah I think there's a real sense of sort of genuineness I'm trying to think of the word what's the word Anyway, we, we it's sort of sincerity, really. Yeah, and they relate to it, and yeah, you know, they connect totally. with it, and yeah. we all want to connect more with who we're buying products from nowadays. I think mm-hmm. that is becoming so much more important, almost you know, as important as the product. I think to well, maybe even more important to connect with the values and the brand itself. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, and lots of my repeat customers are people that I also chat to, like in DMs on Instagram or, you know, on, on Facebook and things. And they're, you know, they're, they're like my friends because I chat to them all the time and they'll send me things. And it's like we've become friends because I've made something that they connected with. I think that's so great. And it's, it makes your day so much more fun too. Because it can be lonely to run your own business. Oh, gosh, yeah, totally. Uh, so what have been the biggest challenge with starting your business and growing it? Well, we, we've kind of already touched upon it. It is just that being that one-woman band. And it's because when you start off and you, you, do, you are on your own, literally everything is, is your job. Sort of design, designing it, finalising the artwork, arranging production photographing it copywriting descriptions all the IT stuff that goes into having a website running things on Etsy all of that is is your job and all of a sudden you go oh I need to become an expert in all of these things that I know a bit about but now a bit's not good enough and I, I need to be really good at this and I can sort of take a nice photo 
but now I need to take a really good photo because otherwise it's not going to be good enough. And I can sort of write a nice thing about this, but now I need to put keywords in it and make it long enough for Google to read it and do all of these other things that I need to do. And I need to do the packaging and I need to do the, you know, even something silly of writing the handwritten notes that go in every order that say, thank you very much for your order, Kelly. That's me sat there writing those for like an hour a week. Yeah, and I don't think people always realise that. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the thing. I think it's it's so easy to go, oh, well, I bet there's a couple of them. Yeah. Or somebody will do something else. But it's like, no, it, it's literally me. I'm the one that writes everything. Yeah, and I find like, you know, if something, just one of those things happen to not go right on the day, it kind of yeah. has such a knock-on effect. Like, you know, if your email is not working like it should and you, you don't have an IT person that you can be like, can you just fix it? I'm going to go for lunch now and then hopefully, you know, it's fixed when I come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We I had it a couple of uh, weeks ago and my Royal Mail account just didn't work anymore. And I was like, but I, I need to post things. How, how, how do I do this? Right. I need, now need to figure this out. And then nothing else could get done because I had to spend my entire day on the phone to Royal Mail going, hi, can, can I send some posts? Because I've got 100 orders that I need to get in the post. <laughs> That'd be really helpful if I could do that. Yeah, and you actually just want to give them your money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm trying to pay you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is challenging, and I think, but it also means that no day is exactly the same, and it's, you you're still doing it for yourself and building your own thing which make it all worth it yeah there's something really special in that um and that sort of brings me on to my second point as well because I think so many of us are parents so when you are a a one-woman band that works at home who's self-employed essentially you're also probably the primary caregiver to the children in your house and we have three children they're all at school and essentially, I'm still a mummy that does all the school runs. The eldest, Dylan, he's 12, so he's in secondary school. He sorts himself out, that's fine. But Dylan and Hayden are 10 and 6. So just having those almost like bookends to my day of like school drop-off is at this time, school pick-up is at this time, and then my working day is sandwiched in the middle of that. And then you have all of like, oh, I've got special assembly. It's sports day, it's sports day tomorrow. So that's like... I'm, I'm taking a day off for that and it's those and, and that in itself is a paradox because it's brilliant that I've got the freedom to take the kids to school to pick them up to pop in when they've got a certificate in assembly or to see their Christmas concert or to see them win at sports day that's fab but that also means that I've got to make a sacrifice in my working day to rejig stuff so I can go and do that. So it, it's it's that sort of, but it, it's always that same thing of it's really difficult to get that balance, but it's worth it because you still get to be there for those other things. No, and and that is probably part of the your you know why you wanted to work for yourself and start this business. Yeah, to have that time, but exactly. But it also means in busy times, you other things you don't have the time for. Yeah. Oh, I mean, 100%. Throughout half term, I was just like, I feel like the worst mother in the world because all the children have done 
sat and played on the PlayStation or watched YouTube all day and I've been working. And I'd just pop downstairs, is everybody okay? Has everyone got a snack? And then I'd be like, right, mummy's going back to work or, you know, kick them out into the garden and stuff. And then I did think, oh my gosh, I'm such a horrible mother. But then really, do you know what? They're kids and they're playing and they're fine. They they were having a great time. There was no one nagging them. (laughs) Exactly. They were having the best day ever. So actually, it's not too bad at all. (laughs) No, I think we need to stop being so hard on ourselves sometimes. And, you know, if you hadn't been in an office and you were working full time, they would have had to be in some sort of daycare instead all day or with some sort of childminder or something, they wouldn't, you know, they had you there, even though they, they were playing by themselves. Exactly. And that's it. It's, I think it's really difficult, especially when they get older, to let go of that sort of thing of, oh, I need to be there playing with them and entertaining them. But it's like, well, they're, they're a group of siblings now. They don't want to play with mommy all the time. It's not like when they're little and they're two and they want you to play Lego with them. They're like, oh, my God, go away, Mum. <laughs> We're playing. <laughs> they just need you to referee sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I come in, provide snacks and break up fights. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at least you can be there for those moments. So that's what's important. Yeah, exactly. Those precious moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. But they are. I think it's what we remember, you know, from our childhood. That, yeah. You know, we remember that they were there yeah totally so in terms of your wholesaling then how long have you been selling to shops and how did you get started with it I think about a year but it's possibly slightly longer but I'm pretty sure it's it's, yeah I think probably just over a year um and I had initially planned to start approaching people and sort of get all my stuff together and be organized and then be like look here are all my beautiful things, please buy them. But then I sort of was taken aback because a couple of people approached me through Etsy and said, we'd love to stock your things. And they approached me and I was just like, well, I'm not, I'm not ready for this. I don't know what a line sheet is. Uh, I don't know. So then it was, a, it, was qu- it was a quick sort of learning curve of how do I do this? What do I need to do? How do I look professional? Because I don't know, want to look like I don't know what I'm talking about. But then those, those little first orders were brilliant because it sort of, because it took the pressure off me because they'd come to me and I wasn't going, hi, please please sell my things yeah they already liked your stuff (laughs) exactly I didn't have to try and convince them they were always they were already saying hi we'd like to buy your things please so it was a really good starting ground and it really gave me some confidence that I can do this and people would like to buy my things to sell them to their customers so that that was a it was a really good start actually I feel like a lot of people have a similar start when it comes to wholesale. They might have been intentional with getting their products done and starting to sell them, but then kind of fall in. I don't want to say accidentally because I think it, it, but they fall into wholesale and it becomes a natural part of their growth. And then at one stage you think, oh, actually, this is working. I should probably do more of this. Yes, 100%. And it also it was really good because it gave me the kick up the bum that I needed because I was so busy sort of procrastinating on becoming perfect to launch that actually just somebody turn around and going hi how much is this gonna be if I buy 50 of them I was just like oh okay well I'll do that now then great okay 
and then I had it all done within a week. I had the catalogue, I had a line sheet, and then it was it, then it was brilliant. That's that a week is quick. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> it was a period of mania. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but sometimes we need those. We need those moments to encourage us, and also take you know it's just full force ahead. Then it it takes the scary out of it a bit. It really, yeah, it really did. And um, like I said, it just sort of forced me into doing it rather than trying to make it perfect. I just sent it out, sent an email saying, yeah, here's anything else. If you've got any questions, just let me know. And then I had an order. And then the next week, somebody else got in touch with me. And then it just, every order was just a bit of a learning curve, really. So it was, it was great ease into it. Yeah, that sounds good. And and what what have you found the most challenging with wholesaling? Is there anything that you find challenging at the moment? I think essentially keeping myself organized, but that's my sort of big thing for this year. I've got kind of like a growth plan that I'm working on. But in the beginning, it was not knowing how to appear proper and professional. I'm like all the lingo, like line sheets and carriage paid and all of this stuff that I thought well, I'm expected to put this in here. So I, I look like I know what I'm talking about. And I look like I do this all the time. But then actually I just let that go and I went, you know what? I'm only starting out wholesaling. I've never really done this before. So that's great because you're my first stockist. So that's great. And then I sort of flipped it on its head and used it as a bit of a selling point to people that were approaching me. So that helped. And also quite often they were in a similar position. Yeah, and I think if they approach you, you can definitely say, yes, I can do it, but I need your help and advice a little bit. Whereas if you contact people, you kind of have to have your ducks in a row a bit more. But if they contact you, you have a bit more freedom to be like, hands up, you will be my first stockist, which is amazing for you because you will have something no one else has, but I need your help. Yeah, well done. You've got exclusivity. Yes, exactly. And then in, in terms of what I find difficult now or challenging now is having that confidence to approach bigger retailers. That's so daunting because it's easy to sort of, well, sort of easy to approach independent shops because they're sort of on my level. But then the bigger retailers and more established retailers that have the more, you know, specialised procedures and things like this and all the other kind of other hoops that you have to jump through then that's that next step up again. So that's quite daunting. Yeah, and I think actually your products could be really good for those slightly larger. I often say, you know, there's nothing wrong with starting small, but actually your products for Christmas by the till points and waterstones or something could work amazingly well. So that, you know, it could be a good strategy for you to get into those places. Yeah, that's like the dream. (laughs) It's not, you know, it, it is hard. We already talked about it. It's hard to find those gifts for people that are readers. I mean, your pins, for example, or stickers, they could be perfect, like Secret Santa present for someone in your office that reads a, reads books or, you know, just like an extra stocking filler for anyone that is yeah. a book lover. And also, it, it, it doesn't cost much more than a greeting card. So it's a perfect pickup line too. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's really one of the sort of major things that I try and keep is that essentially you get something or a couple of bits for under a tenner for somebody and you've got them a, a complete little package. So that's always quite a nice selling point. Yeah, and I think that's where you get volumes too. So 
who how do you find retailers to reach out to and and how do you go about it um generally i'll i'm sort of scrolling through instagram um checking up a hashtag this week it's been indie shop week so that's been amazing yeah and then i think recently we had like indie bookshop or something as well um and then all like the hashtags say like just a card i'll follow those and it's sort of twofold really because i see who i'd want to shop from and then also well, maybe you'd like to buy my things um and i also look where similar brands to me or sort of what i consider my peers to be stocked and then because it just stands to reason that quite often i find that the the brands that i feel are my peers we share a customer base so if they're somebody stuck in their things then their customers are probably going to want to buy my things as well yeah um and then other than that i just whenever i see somebody mentions something or if i'm you know if i popped out to it you know say to york or to leeds and i come across somewhere i think oh that's quite cute and quite often i have friends as well and customers in fact i had a customer send me a message uh, this week on etsy saying that oh there's a, there's a new bookshop opened up in home for and i popped in there and i told them all about you <laughs> so i was like right brilliant thanks very much so it's little things like that really and just seeing what where it gets mentioned on even on facebook groups like say indie roller or in colorful company say oh i've just picked up such and such from here then i think well yeah i'll, I'll go and give them a follow and, and check them out and sort of look into them i find a lot of people on instagram but i suppose also you can also supply things like subscription boxes and stuff that doesn't necessarily have brick and mortar shops i guess I ha- have you been doing that yeah i've reached out to a couple and I've worked with a couple and that is another thing that I want to sort of focus on either sort of if they a couple of people will buy my products to stick in their boxes and that's great but then I also really want to get into sort of commissions and things for like a repeat thing for a subscription box and then that's a really similar thing because there's a huge bookstagram community on Instagram so it's it's really interesting to look down those avenues as well and find out sort of where my customers are going what what subscription boxes what loot crates and all of these things where my customers are going and seeing if i can be part of that too absolutely i think there's so many different avenues for something that is book related so my background in publishing is actually not selling fiction books it's selling illustrated and i sold to the home and gift market not to bookshops as such so my team would sell to anything but bookshops, essentially. So that could be, you know, subscription boxes or hamper companies or random things and thinking, finding customers that wouldn't traditionally buy books. So, you know, we some of our biggest customers were fashion stores and fashion chains, for example, because gift is such a big part of them now and it's almost become a little bit trendy again to to read and we would sell you know humor books and little pickups so essentially things that will probably sit amongst this your sort of things with more novelty and gifting so i think there's a huge scoop to like come up with more businesses to work with and sell to but I could definitely picture your pins and things at book sh- in some of the big bookshops. Oh, that's fab. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if you just got one of the chains this year, you sorted. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? And that's re- that is really the dream to have those those sort of bigger, sort of well-known 
bookshop brands or even I always think like a, a museum gift shop or like a library gift shop or something like that I always think that would be amazing to walk into like the British Museum and then they've got something that I've made in there that would that would just blow my mind <laughs> yeah the gift shop in the British Library is actually really nice yes it is isn't it that could be a good one and they definitely do a lot of book related gifts yeah and I think they also work with um artists to sort of commission things for them too so that could be a nice one I'm gonna I shall be researching them this afternoon (laughs) yeah well there's so many so who would be your dream stockist out of all of them I I feel like Waterstones that would be just brilliant because that's every city high street pretty much has a Waterstones and as you say, a little thing by the till or a little thing of like little bookish gifts for people, that would just, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. If you think your products are going to sit well on the till, have you thought about how they will be displayed on the till in a bookshop? Events. You know, with a smaller one, a bookshop, they might just put a bowl there. But if you are going out to, say, all the Waterstones, it might be easier for them to have it in a ready-made box that's how it's delivered they unpack it take the wrapper off it or whatever and put it on the till because they don't really have the same capacity as a small independent business to come up with clever solutions they need it to be easy and it used to need to be uniform so one thing to do is maybe to go and visit a few bookshops and look at what they have in their queue barriers and in their till points or at their till points and see if you can come up and offer a solution to it. And it also means that instead of selling, I don't know what your pack sizes are, but instead of selling maybe 12 on one pin design, you might be selling eight pin designs and 12 of each on a display unit that fits on the till. And that will probably drive more sales than just one or two designs. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. I've never even thought of that. I think with your products, it, it would be good if you want to sell to slightly bigger to have some sort of offering with that. It's overcoming that barrier of sale before they even disregard you for it. Yeah, and it, it just makes it really easy. And, you know, if you can place that, in, even if it was just a ch- smaller chain like foils, if you place it in all the foils on their queue barrier... That's still amazing. Yeah. So how do you um, find, you know, when you approach people, are you, do you find it quite easy to approach people and seem like, does that, is that something that comes natural to you or is it something that you feel like you have to build yourself up to do? I think it comes quite natural to me. I'm quite, I think I sort of, I tread the borderline between extroverted and introverted. I have quite a few introverted traits, but then actually I've got, no problems talking to people and introducing myself. So sending a pitch email, I'm essentially fine with. Obviously, I'm nervous and I'm awaiting that reply and I don't want to be rejected. But I think I handle it quite well if it isn't or if I don't hear back. So I think, yeah, I think I think it's not something that I dread doing. A couple of times, maybe I'll sort of at least started some kind of correspondence or relationship through social media. I'll generally follow everybody on social media and slowly introduce myself that way. I'll comment on things, I'll like their pictures and maybe, you know, sort of reply to stories and things like that. So then hopefully when I send an email or even if I just send a message and say, hi, I think some of my products would be a great fit for your shop. 
I'd love to send you some more information who's the best person to get in contact with. I'll maybe send that DM over Instagram or Facebook. So I've already sort of introduced myself so I'm not some complete stranger. And also they, they know to expect something from me. So I think that's quite helpful. I think that works well with independence too, in the sense where if you have done that and you are participating in like following and liking and commenting on their posts, they are probably more likely to actually feel like they should reply to you. Yes. And I think sometimes the person dealing with the social media account might not necessarily be the same person that's dealing with the buying. So if you can start up a conversation between the people in their office that go, oh, this shop's uh, sent us an in- a, a, you know, a request for information. I've told them to get in touch with you and I've given them your email address. Here's all their things. I think they're quite nice. Then that's you, you're already getting them to talk about you. People that love books and read, they are instantly connected somehow. They have something in common. I think books are so connective in like, and reading and people kind of all of a sudden care much more about each other somehow. I don't know how to describe it, but it it is an instant sort of, yes, we like the same things (laughs) moment. Yeah. And I think that it's really a case of sort of finding your tribe. And then sort of, oh, you like reading? Brilliant. I like reading. What books have you read? And then it's just a swapping of, have you read this? I've read this. Yeah, I love that too. And then off and off you go for, you know, an hour. Yeah, it's so easy to do. And um, have you done any trade shows or is that something that you have planned to do? I haven't, essentially, because I'm too scared. (laughs) But one of my aims this year is to build confidence with sort of having stalls at say comic cons or other events like say northern craft and things like that or like mini markets i really want to sort of hone my craft and get my confidence up with doing those littler events so then when i do go to trade shows to meet essentially potential stockists I'm already immediately more comfortable because I've kind of done this already and loads of people have already bought a million things and that's great. And now I'm just trying to convince shops rather than somebody that just wants one pit. I think that'll be a bit of a natural progression for me. Did you apply to the, because you're up north, did you apply for the Curated Makers Paper Chase pop-up or did you hear about it? No, I don't know if I heard about that. Megan, who runs Curated Makers, she had on Instagram, you kind of had to apply to be in it. She's doing a pop-up in Paper Chase, I want to say in July. And um, that's kind of how you applied. And it, it got quite a lot of applications. But she hosts pop-ups in the north. So that's maybe one to follow. Because I think it's quite amazing that she managed to negotiate with Paper Chase to be there. She's in Ben's Garden Centre at the moment. But I'm sure she has lots of things planned. Ah, fab. Yeah. Well, that's another thing that I want to look into as well. And in fact, it was one of the things that when Leona was talking about this week of just having a thing where you just go, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it and it's fine. One of the projects that's been happening recently in Doncaster, because we've got lots of like regeneration and things going on, is the old wool market end of town. And Doncaster is really rich with its kind of market history and things like that. And it's sort of, as a centre of trade, it's really rich with its history for that. 
Um, and the wool market has just been recently refurbished and it's this huge big indoor space and there's loads of retailers in there. There's like a little sort of food court and everything like that. And I keep looking going, I want to put an event on in there. I, I think I want to do a mini market, but I don't know how to do that. Because, and then that, then I was thinking back to my sort of experience of running events and in, in the sort of catering environment. And I thought, well, those skills are actually quite transferable. And I, I, could, I could maybe do that. So that's something that's sort of percolating away at the back of my brain again of that thing of I want to, I want to create the event that I want to go to as well. Yeah, that would be great. And it doesn't have to be all about selling your products. It can have, you know, swap books nights or something. I don't know. It could be quite fun and you can build a really loyal community that will obviously champion your products because you're putting on these events. There's um in America there's a huge sort of sort of pin and patch expo type community and there's so many conventions that pop up and it is just enamel pins, patches and all of the malarkey that goes on around that. But you don't really find them in England as much. For businesses like mine that are really connected to the like the in community I just keep looking thinking there's a huge need for that and I think we're in the perfect place for it because yes we're up north but it's so connected to everywhere because we've got train links to everywhere we've got road links to everywhere we've, I think we've got like four motorways that come through Doncaster or something and also we have air links because we've got an international airport literally five minutes from my house and I just keep looking thinking oh, I could do that as well so maybe maybe I should do that <laughs> So that's something that's then percolating again in my brain. It's hard to restrict yourself as a small oh, business so owner. You really just want to is. do it all, yes. everything. Uh, yeah, it, because you're so passionate about what you do. It's really difficult. I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges. It really is. Restraining myself yeah. and limiting my ideas is the biggest thing in the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that a lot of people that I work with, everyone is obviously, everyone probably sees themselves as creatives. That's, you know, most of the people I work with. So the creative element almost comes first for most of them rather than business side. So they just want to keep making new products. And I'm, I obviously get very excited about new products, but I'm like, yeah, but you have to sell the old ones first. Yeah, yeah. That's it because lots of my sort of creative ideas are business based and I mm. was also that child that I I, I think it was a, a, like a tabletop sale or something at like a summer fair in my primary school. I bought a Jason Donovan board game for 20 pence and sold it the, in the afternoon for 50 and I think I, think I was about eight. <laughs> um, so that's kind of a running joke so it's it's quite handy that lots of my creative ideas are also business related ones but again it's it's still just okay let's just pick one and let's do that let's focus on one thing yeah because sometimes you kind of almost get by the time you get to you know the actual event or you actually release a new product you want to move you're ready to move on to the next sometimes yeah and so it's just knowing being able to have that self-discipline I think is a lot to do with running your own business yeah, that's part of my plan this year is to get better at structuring myself and planning and sticking to my plans. <laughs> I think that might, that's probably my plan every year. <laughs> I say it's my plan and I failed every year, but it's definitely my plan this year. 
I don't think you failed every year. I think you you're still running your business, so you didn't fail. It probably didn't go to the entirely the way you intended it to, but that's not the same as failing. Okay, good. So, um, how often do you launch new products and stuff? So, if you want to make wholesale more of a thing for you, obviously having new products. And that sort of thing is important. So how often do you do new products? Generally, it's been sporadically in the past. And it's been essentially when I've thought about it or had enough cash flow to put those thoughts into production. But now I generally aim for a new pin per month. And then sort of subsequent extra things will come from that. So maybe stickers and and other things like that. But as with anything, sometimes this can be a bit sort of flexible either through cash flow or you know other things need restocking so and then sometimes like last month it can actually be three things so I launched two new pins at the beginning of this month I want to say at the end of last month a couple of weeks ago um and I launched two new designs and then I've actually just had another one arrive but I've not launched those yet because I'm going to do it with intention and purpose and not just be like oh by the way that's in the shop now but again, that's something that I want to become a bit more disciplined at. And I think it was Leona that was mentioning about the difference between being inconsciously incompetent, unconsciously incompetent and consciously incompetent and consciously competent. And I sort of want to get up those steps to be like, no, this is fine. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to every couple of months, I'm going to have these ranges. And then at Christmas, there's going to be two new designs. Or, you know, something like that. So then, as you say, because I've never thought of it like that, for approaching retailers, then you can say every every eight weeks you're going to have something else or every four weeks you're going to have something else. So when it comes to, because they don't select that often when it comes to retailers, I don't know if you have it already, but it sounds to me that you kind of are starting to shape a product plan. And, of course, you have your retail launches, but then your wholesale launches might be twice a year for example but that doesn't mean that necessarily that the products has to drop right there in that month but you know you're presented twice a year and then you can obviously use it as an excuse to get in touch with your stockers more often but someone like waterstones for example they're not gonna maybe select more than twice a year so you might have to get to the stage eventually where you say in every january february these are the new spring pins that I'm going to do here's the designs they are available from x y and z date and yeah then they can face them in if they select them for example where in the same for autumn so it's usually a lot of product launches for wholesale happen sort of January February around the trade shows the sort of big gift shows and then again in September so when you start thinking about having like a product plan and working sort of 12 months in advance on what you when you're going to need new product you you can sort of put those key dates in that's a really I again that's something I'd never even thought of before but that makes perfect sense because somebody with an independent shop 
is 100% to me. Oh, great, you've got a new thing. That's excellent. Pop one on my next order. But waterstones don't want to do that. They haven't got time for that. No, and they has to be approved and they have to go through meetings and selection meetings and stuff. It, it's not as instant. Sometimes they get, you know, they had good sales. They might get a bit extra budget to release and they need some more product. But that's not all the time. So you need to get them selected when they are selecting, if you will. Yeah. And sometimes that means that they will have them later than your retail direct retail customers and stuff but it also means sometimes they will see things earlier but actually it's funny I earlier in the week I recorded an episode all about your product planning so that might be interesting for you oh fab (laughs) that's gonna be a really handy one (laughs) yeah I think it would be fun it's with Catherine Erdley from uh, Future Retail she used to be a merchandiser for quite a lot of uh, several big um, retailers including paper chains and she's been at fashion chains and stuff but she's really good at all that stuff so oh excellent yeah and what do you do um when with your existing stockists how do you keep in touch with them generally um emails I have a list but I have been rubbish at sort of keeping my mailing list updated with like a regular sort of campaign and that is my job for this week and in fact I think we chatted about that before about that's sort of forming my little newsletter and sending that out to all the stockists with all the new pins and things on and the new things coming up that's part of my plan for this week. So that's really good and it's also something when you do a product plan you would put in all of those dates too so everything is connected so you know okay I'm launching these pins this month that means I have to do in the newsletter this date. See that's perfect for me because then if it's written down then I have to do it because it's almost like a school timetable then and then it's like accountability and it's brilliant yeah and you would put in the school holiday dates you would basically it would be your life (laughs) yeah that's it that's brilliant I can't wait for that (laughs) up to press it's just essentially emails or chatting on Instagram is again because lots of the times I'm sort of internet friends with everybody but generally, I'll drop people an email to say, oh, I've got these things, or just to let you know, I'm running out of such and such and such. I don't think I'm going to be restocking these. This is coming, though. So if you want anything, just let me know. And then before Christmas and things, I'll get back in touch with everybody. And then lots of the time, customers get in touch with me and say, you know, we're running out of these. What else have you got? I saw on Instagram you're doing this. Are those going to be available soon? So it's, it's quite informal at the minute but I want to sort of tighten the screws and make it a bit more structured. Well, I think having that personal touch, though, is a great way of having like a long-lasting and loyal relationship. It goes well both ways, obviously. But I think a lot of people sometimes go to trade shows, for example, get their orders, and then because they're not so comfortable reaching out to people, they don't keep in touch afterwards. So it sounds like you, you have that covered. It might not sound organized to you, but I think it just by doing that, you, you, you are nurturing that relationship. Yeah, I think I think so. I think it's, it's never as organized and professional as I imagine I should be. But I feel like generally I'm quite sort of chatty and personable and sort of have a chit chat with everybody so I think it sort of still comes across quite nice and you know they run their own businesses too if you sell to lots of small businesses so you know having that personal connection and a bit of a chat yeah it, it it's what we all need sometimes <laughs> yeah and there's so many times that I'll send somebody an email 
and then they'll send me one a week later going oh I'm so sorry it's been an awful week in the shop I've just not got around to doing this yet it's fine just give me a minute and I'm like no it's fine don't worry um <laughs> and then you just you do generally realize that yeah they're in the exact same boat that you are they're also and and a one person band running a shop on their own being everybody at the same time and then they probably have part-time staff to manage as well exactly and they probably have like a hundred people trying to email them about new things that they think they should buy and stuff so it's not I think having that kind of understanding and that's why I think it's really good you know as small business owners to put ourselves out there like you're doing when you're contacting other independent shopkeepers I think a lot of people think oh I'm pestering them I shouldn't sell they feel uncomfortable with it but actually having one small business owner contact you because they like what you're doing I think that's really nice that's a compliment in itself whether they're selling something or not yes totally and I think also in terms of when you're reaching out to a stockist, essentially just making their life easier. Yeah. Because instead of having them search, you know, up and down for new cool things to sell in their shop, you're going, hi, uh, I've saved you 10 minutes. Here's a load of things that I think you'd quite like. Would you like Would you like to stop them? Yeah, I say that often that, you know, you're making their life easier. Yeah. I think that's amazing. As long as you're conscious with like who you're reaching out to and you actually only reach out to people that you can see it's in somehow and you can convey that. I think that, you know, in the end of the day, we all have to sell and buy to make money. So yeah, exactly. It's like we are all essentially slightly different steps along the same chain. Yeah. Absolutely. And so with that, what advice would you give to someone that is just starting out to wholesale or, or can maybe even dream of wholesaling? I would say just do it. It's Each order is a learning curve. Each person that you talk to will interact with you slightly differently. But essentially, make yourself stand out, be chatty, Show that you've done your research and that you know that your products are going to be a good fit for their shop. And equally, that also works the other way around, that their brand is going to be a good fit to represent your brand because I've been approached by people that I didn't want selling my things actually very much and I turned them down. But in terms of, you know, show that you've done your research, suggest things that are going to work for them and say, here is some specific products and include links that would work for you and also maybe say you stock such and such and lots of my customers are their customers too so you've already got your target market there stick to your prices work out what is going to make you money work out what level of a minimum order that you need to make it worth your while it's so easy to fall into the trap of just giving people either huge discounts or a discount on a bulk order that really isn't a bulk order and especially nowadays when just people ask for bulk discounts and I'm like what you want to buy two things and get 50% off that's not you wouldn't go into Asda and do that no that's not really bulk I mean I I I actually am guilty on emailing people sometimes for my welcome gift if you will but then I will I will fully expect them to say I'm not asking for wholesale prices, but I'm sort of saying, what, how many do I need to order to 
to get a discount because obviously that really helps me and I'd rather spend two three hundred pounds once than keep ordering you know often yeah yeah and that's it and there's and there's sticking to your terms and sticking to your prices but also knowing that those things are negotiable and sometimes the fact that you can negotiate and give smaller customers a bit of a break on your minimum order or you know knock some shipping price off for somebody else have those things in your toolkit to use as negotiation and to say yeah that's fine for you I can do this because I've done that before with orders for subscription boxes that weren't up to my minimum order and I knew that it was probably going to be a one-off but equally that was going to put my product in the hands of x amount of people that are my target market and it, and equally who knows they might come back again at some point in the future so then it's it is just a case of working working out if it's worth it for you yeah absolutely and I think that's so important knowing like you said having that information in your toolkit to not have to go back and calculate everything on a one-off basis knowing what you can afford and working that out once is so much easier of course if you start dealing with a larger retailer or something you might have to work it out for them specifically but those little things like subscription boxes or if someone is a bit unsure about trying a lot of your range and just want to try a bit what can you do what are you comfortable with yeah exactly I used to sell in a specific pack size but I find that because lots of my stock is so smaller retailers and I have quite a a big range of pins now I think I've got sort of 20 something when they're trying out new ones they didn't want to buy them in a pack so I'd end up saying oh it's fine you can split that pack and we'll pop this and that in and then I just asked everybody do you know what actually because you all state how many you want in an individual number shall I just sell them individually now and then you could just pick how many you want and everyone was just like oh yeah that's easier because then if somebody just wants one to track to test or just wants five to test or do you know what I mean it's it's really sort of finding out what works. And it's always about tweaking it as well. It's what works for you, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas if you're dealing with a larger retailer, they're not going to want a mixed pack. Unless they're buying a counter pack of something, they want, you know, them very defined. So you want to probably do tell them the pack sizes. Whereas for a small independent, if that doesn't work for your type of products, then why restrict yourself, I think? In the beginning, it's good to have pack sizes, I think, because you are. it's a way to show that you've kind of thought about wholesale. It's not, you know, if you're approaching people, it makes you look like you know what you're doing a little bit. But, you know, the, testing things and trying new things is the way forward, I think. Yeah. So then finally, can you tell us a brand that you think deserves a shout out and a retailer that you think is getting it right? And have you seen any new products that you are excited about that you think is going to be big for this autumn? For my shout out, I'm going to give a shout out to Shoal, which is run by um, Serena and Natal over in America. And you can find them on Instagram at shop show um and they are pin designers and they make loads of lovely little pins they also have the best uh, plant-based instagram stories that i've seen so i mean if you're if you're a plant lover and love succulents then that's the place to go just for that but serena also runs the pin theft website which has a huge amount of information for counterfeit pins if you're an artist and you've been affected by it or if you're a customer and you think you might have been affected by it and especially I think talking about 
wholesale and how easy it is to buy things wholesale from China. There are so many small independent shops out there that buy things in from China that are actually buying counterfeit pins and traced artwork and things like that. So I think raising the awareness for that, because I get messages daily of, oh, I've seen this shop and I've seen this shop. And if it's on Etsy or Shopify and things like that, there's, there's so many different avenues that you can go down to protect your IP and how you can report it. And on the Pin Theft website, there's so much information. And it's fantastic, all those resources that are there for free. But also, it's, it's fantastic. And it's really been a, a kind of a sort of a, a journey of necessity. Um, but then also it's produced all of this information that is just now in the world for free, which is amazing. But I think it's also really good for buyers, for independent shops, to know that when you're standing there, you know, or declaring yourself as a small independent-run shop in Manchester or Edinburgh or Cardiff or wherever, you can then also champion other independent shops and say, yeah, I know that this thing that I bought has been bought from the artist. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's a huge amount of there's a huge amount of information for artists, for customers, uh, and then there's a, a big database for well sort of documented pins that are always ripped off and sort of fake get pumped out of the factories and things, but then also links to the artist and where you can buy them. So I think that's I think that's great for both sides of the of the equation as the the stockist and the designer yeah and even for someone that collects pins or buys pins on a regular basis i think that's really good well i'll definitely pop all the links in the show notes so people can find them yeah how about a retailer that you think is getting it right? I would, I've got two, I'm sort of cheating. Um, first of all, I've got Handmade Nottingham. Um, Rhea is a stockist of mine and Handmade Nottingham is a shop that's gone from strength to strength and they've recently moved to a bigger premises in King's Walk and the, you can get pretty much everything in there. It's like a big, gorgeous space and you can get plants, you can get, I'm pretty sure you can even get sort of like home decor and I think maybe furniture but I may have I might have made that up and then all of that you sort of bog standard gift where like you know your cards clothing pins stickers and all that kind of thing but we also started putting on workshops in the space above and it's just a real champion for independent brands so that's and it's just a gorgeous place it's always filled with the best things I mean it's a really it's just it's sort of the embodiment I think of a of an independent retailer I love finding those shops Mm. The ones that you just tell that they have selected every product that has gone in there with care. And there's a reason why they thought, oh, my customers will love. This. Yeah, it's, it really is. It's, it's gorgeous. And then the other one I would say is Honeydew in Matlock from Katie Aby and the team. Katie's got a retail shop in Alfreton. And that is basically a shop for all of the Katie Aby goodies. And I think she's. I mean, she's just a powerhouse of design. She just keeps pumping out designs and it's this gorgeous little mad house. And then last Christmas, they opened up Honeydukes, which is kind of like a anything whimsical or magical or bonkers will be on sale in that shop. And yes, she sells a lot of her own products, but she stocks a lot of independent makers. And the space itself is just amazing. And especially in this day and age when I think online retail 
was a huge boost. And then high street retail and sort of bricks and mortar shops took a bit of a dip. Honey Dukes is a really great example of how you can make a shop a destination and an event to go to. Because like the ceiling is painted, there are stickers on the wall, like on the floors. It's just top to toe colour and amazingness it's just like it's it's so good and there's even um katie's husband jeff is just like this wizard at just recycling stuff and he found a oh, i can't remember what car is but it's the car from harry potter the flying car so there's one of those outside i feel like i want to visit this shop now <laughs> it's amazing um and she had a launch night in december and we popped over and it was just brilliant and matlock is so beautiful anyway because it looks magical because it's this just gorgeous little town um and it's the perfect fit but she's had people from all over come just to go there but it's just, it's just a great example of a shop sticking to its brand being bonkers and being amazing and being a, a, a complete destination that's exciting and great for the town and the other businesses in town too and what's your product recommendation for this autumn? What do you think? Is What have you found? Oh, well, I was thinking about this and I, I'm not sure at all. And I was just thinking, well, there's so many things that I'm, I'm looking forward to. And there's so many designs from sort of my peers that I'm looking forward to. So I think I'm just going to have a bit of a cop out and just say everything that everybody's doing. because that, And that's I think that's the key with independent designers there's so much that we're everybody's always thinking of stuff so it's, it's sometimes difficult to predict the trends because it's just people yeah and I feel that small businesses nowadays they really do think about you know the whole like sustainability being a big thing not having so much plastic and stuff but the small businesses that I follow and admire they already do that as part of their business anyway yeah, and that's one of going back to the sort of sustainability thing. That's one of the things me that I'm working on this year. So I really want to launch a tea mill store, but in in order to do that, I really wanted to research into sort of the organic cotton, the the sustainability of it, working with the factories and the producers and the manufacturers, just to make sure that everything was as as sort of least damaging as possible. Um, so that's one thing that I'm sort of powering on with in the background so hopefully when I've got my product plan in place <laughs> because that's it I want to sort of do a product that I can say yeah this is you know 100% organic cotton you know the inks are friendly this that and the other it's produced with as, as little environmental impact as possible and then that in itself is is part of the product and part of the story but that's exciting isn't it it's like I, I think Taking that time and doing that work is what will make that product great when it comes out. Yes, it really is. I think that's it. I don't have any more questions, but thank you so much, Kelly, for talking to me today. Thank you very much for having me. Before I let you go, though, can you tell everyone how they can find you and connect with you? The best place to find me is on Instagram. It's at Bookish and Bakewell. And then you can also visit the website, which is bookishandbakewell.com. And then through there, you can also click the Etsy if that's where you prefer to shop. Thank you so much. And um, I'm sure everyone is going to be intrigued now to have a look at your product. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed this episode just as much as I enjoyed recording it. 
If you did, please do me a massive favour and subscribe, rate and review this episode. This really helps other find the podcast and it really means the world to me. Going forward, there will be a new episode every Monday. Until then, have a great week and remember that persistence and consistency really does pay off in the long run.